Good evening. <clears throat> Thank you for returning on this cold, wintry night. We've been talking about life after death, particularly the resurrected state and the new heaven and new earth. We've been in the book of Revelation uh, to unpack those ideas and thoughts. And so tonight I thought it would be appropriate to look at Revelation chapter 22, which comes right after a discussion, new heaven, new earth, which speaks of the certainty of the Lord's return and exhortations in light of that, that we should be looking forward to this experience of the millennial kingdom and the new heaven and new earth. Uh, this will be the last Sunday that uh, I'll be preaching uh, in uh, December, and I will start a new series in January. So, Revelation 22, 6 to 11. Revelation 22, 6-21 is an epilogue, conclusion, or application to the prophecy that is given throughout the book of Revelation. There are three statements of the truth that the Lord is coming quickly, and three applications of that truth. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. And then thirdly, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So tonight, we're going to consider just the first of those three statements. But certainly, all three are very significant. The second, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me. We're to be anticipating, looking forward to that reward. And uh, I was tempted to go through these three uh, statements and perhaps look at the rewards. Let me just ask you, I don't usually poll on such things, but <clears throat> would you like me to continue and, and look at those other two statements? Uh, would you like to... Uh, hear about the rewards and what we can expect of the judgment, etc. Raise your hand if that is a yes. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll continue on. So now I know what I'm doing in January. I'm going to do the next two. But tonight, we're looking at just the first. Key verse is Revelation 22.7. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is you who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Theme. We're to keep the words of the prophecy of the book of Revelation in light of the Lord's return. Number one, the basis of the exhortation to keep the words of the prophecy of this book in light of the Lord's return is his, is their trustworthiness. The words of this prop, prophecy are trustworthy because they are reliable. Revelation 22, 6. He said to me, these sayings are Faithful. So we can count 
on the fulfillment of the words of this book. We will not be disappointed in putting our trust in these statements. So that's part of the anticipation. That's part of the looking forward to what is is coming, to recognize that God's word is faithful. It is reliable. It is, in fact, going to come to pass. The words of this prophecy are trustworthy because they are objectively true. They are objectively true. He said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. So these sayings have a relationship to space-time history. These sayings are not allegories nor myths. They are not stories intended to teach a moral or spiritual truth. They in they are in and of themselves true. Now let me say that there are stories in the Bible that teach truths, most notably parables. Parables are extended illustrations, uh, many times extended metaphors. The kingdom of heaven is like, and or or that genre. So the teaching of parables are true, though the parables themselves do not have a relationship to space-time history. Uh, For example, the parable of the ten virgins looking for the Lord's return. There weren't literally ten virgins who uh, lighted their lamps and others who did not bring enough oil. They're stories to teach a spiritual truth. But what we have in the book of Revelation are not stories to teach a spiritual truth. We have an unfolding of actual events that are going to take place in the future that have a relationship to time and space and history. In that sense, they are objectively true. They are going to come to pass. We are to anticipate and look forward to these events materializing. C, the words of this prophecy are trustworthy because they are God's words. Revelation 22, 6. And he said unto me, these things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. So even as we looked at God sending his son this morning, here we find that God sent the angel to reveal these truths to us. So they are reliable because they come from God. God sent the angel who speaks these things to us. Did he? The words of this prophecy are trustworthy because they will and must come to pass. Revelation 22, 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God, the holy prophet, sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. So they have to be fulfilled. We are not to be counted among those who shed doubts on the promises of this book. 2 Peter 3, 2 and following. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand 
by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. We are not to be like those who uh, mock the uh, anticipation of the Lord's return. Just off the top of my head, it just popped in my mind, uh, the uh, Turtles had a song, I believe it was in the 60s, and uh, one of the lyrics to that was, uh, in the year 2525, if man is still alive, uh, and then, oh, I shouldn't have done this, because uh, now I can't do it. But uh, anybody want to help me? What's the, the lyric? Uh, if he's, he ought to, in the year 2510, if he's coming, you ought to make it by then, right? Okay. So uh, the turtle said, you know, if, he, if it's 2510, he, it ought to be, he, he ought to be here by then. Well, um, I don't know when he's coming, but I know he is coming. I know these things are true. Number two, the essence of the exhortation to keep the words of the prophecy of this book. The word keep in English can have two different connotations, and the Greek word also can have the same two connotations. The word keep can mean preserve, and the word keep can mean to obey. We keep the words of this book by preserving the words of this book. So number one, we must preserve the words of this prophecy by not allowing anyone to add to it. Revelation twenty-two eighteen. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So we are to guard these prophecies because the prophecies are true. And anything that would be added to that would be unreliable and would not be true. So we need to be on guard against those that would want to add to the prophecies of the book of Revelation. Secondly, we must preserve the words of the prophecy by not allowing anyone to take away the words of this prophecy. Revelation twenty-two nineteen. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy... God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So we should not add to it. We should not uh, take away from it. We should preserve it. We should keep it. We should guard it. We should watch over it. We should protect it. Third, we are not to preserve the words of this book by sealing it up and not using it. Revelation 22.10 he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Uh, my dad, as I mentioned to you in times past, was a hoarder. And uh, he would tend not to use the things that people would give him. It used to drive me nuts as a, as a kid because... Uh, one of the things, uh, my dad had these uh, leather work mittens for, uh, for the winter. They, they were a mitten, that, uh, they were a mitten as opposed to a glove. 
And, you know, my dad would be out a lot of times outside in the snow, plowing snow and all that kind of stuff. So he get cold. So he had these, these mittens. And um, they were tattered. They were torn. They had holes in them. They would not keep his hands warm by any means. And we never knew what to give my father. He was always, what are you going to give him? So the answer was, well, we'll give him mittens because he needs mittens. When my father died, I think he had 25 pairs of these mittens that he never wore and always wore these tattered, holy mittens. Well, that's not what we're to do with God's word. We're not to set it aside and not use it. Uh, the Jewish people, as I said in my Sunday school class back uh, in teaching on the Lord's Prayer, that they tried to preserve God's name and keep it holy by, by not pronouncing the name Jehovah even when they read the scriptures. And so instead of pronouncing the name Jehovah, whenever they were reading in public, they would, uh, they would um, substitute the word Adonai, which means Lord. And as a result, today, we don't know the proper pronunciation of God's name. It's debated in theological circles. Some say Yahweh, others say Jehovah. We don't know. It has been lost, ironically, out of a desire to preserve it. That's not what we're to do. We are to preserve the word of God while we use it. But it's very important that we don't add to or take away in our using the book of Revelation. And I would submit to you there's probably no book of the Bible that is more speculated about than the book of Revelation. More uncertain things are said about the book of Revelation than any other book, I believe, in, in the Bible. And as a result, there are a lot of errors that are flying around. Well, we're to use it, but we're to use it judiciously. Guarding, not adding to, not taking away. C, we keep the words of this book by obeying the words of this book. Revelation 22, 8 and 9. And I saw, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. And what I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Revelation 1.3 Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Revelation 1.3 Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. Notice how the NASB translates that word keep in that particular verse. They translate it as heed, to obey, to follow. For that is a fine translation in that particular context. Either preserve or heed, follow, obey. 
Now is the time that we should and must use this book, Revelation 22. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. We should ready ourselves uh, to obey all of the instructions in the book of Revelation. And oddly enough, um, I don't think that there is enough emphasis in Christendom about the instructions of how to conduct ourselves and how to behave ourselves in conjunction with the Lord's return. And one of those reasons is because there is a large theological group out there that are pre-tribulational who say, well, we're not going to be here. So what's the point of our considering how we should live in the time of the tribulation if we're not here? So oddly enough, many times the book of Revelation is studied, but not in light of what do we do, how do we live, how do we implement the instructions in the book of Revelation. For it is rendered as irrelevant to us other than the oddity of trying to figure out time periods and things that that would happen. But people would say it's irrelevant because we're not here. Well, you know, I believe we are here. And uh, I believe it is very relevant. Number three. Oh, excuse me, the illustration of how some things must be used or they can't be preserved. You know, my, my father's mittens were still pretty good. You know, they uh, dusty, but, but they were usable. Uh, they could be given away. People could put them to good use. But the other thing my dad hoarded was Easter candy. Oh, did he have an awful box of uh, Easter candy. I mean, it smelled, it reeked, it was moldy, it was bad. Uh, it was in his drawer, buried under a whole bunch of stuff. And there was this box of Easter candy that he was hoarding. Uh, he was preserving. But he wasn't preserving at all because it was just ruining. So uh, some things need to be put to use. And God's word is one of those things. Number three. The need for the exhortation to keep the sayings of this book. A, we need the exhortation to keep the sayings of this book, for it is easy to allow other persons and things to occupy the place that is reserved for God alone. Revelation 22.8, I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And he said unto me, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. I'm among those that obey this book. I haven't authored this book. Don't worship me. Worship God. First John 2.18 Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And the word of God warns us about the incredible powers that the Antichrist is going to have. And so we are to be on guard and not to be deceived. 
not to be taken in, not to be duped, not to worship the false prophet, the Antichrist, the beast, but worship God and God alone. And so there are instructions for us so that we will not be duped. And one of those clearest instructions is given to us in the book of Matthew about the Lord's return. And it says that when the Lord returns, when Jesus Christ returns, it is going to be like lightning that is going to appear where everyone will see it. Don't say that he is there in the desert or he's over here or he's over there. If someone is saying Christ has come and he's over here, forget it. Because when Christ comes, everyone is going to see it. It's not going to be hidden. It will be impossible to miss. So unless this person comes in such a glorious and majestic and awesome way that every single eye sees him when he appears, then you know that the one who is claiming to be the second coming of Christ is a deceiver. He is false. It's not true. You don't have to worry about missing out if somebody says Christ is over here or Christ is over there and you need to go over there and worship him or the person says you need to worship me. No, he's going to come and everybody's going to see it. B, we need the exhortation to keep the sayings of this book for we are surrounded by many influences that would cause us to forget or depart from this book. Revelation 22.11 He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. This is not a statement about non-believers should not repent. This is a simple statement that says, if you are living a righteous life, and this person over here is not living a righteous life, what has that got to do with you? Why should that affect you? Why should that bother you? Why should that prevent you from doing what is right? Because the other thing we find out in the Word of God is that prior to the Lord's coming, the love of many is going to grow cold. And we're going to find a great falling away. There are many people who profess faith in Jesus Christ who are not born again. You understand that. Many are called, few are chosen. Broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the, is the way to heaven. And few there be that find it. Especially, I think, in the, the church in America. We have it so easy. It's so easy to make a profession of faith in Christ. There's, there's no persecution. There's, there's no heartache. There's no toll that is taken upon us. And many times the gospel is not even preached. There are loads and loads of people that are in churches. Well, prior to the Lord's coming, when things start getting tough and there is persecution, we're going to find out that there's going to be an incredible exodus. There's going to be a great falling away. 
And I will submit to you that's going to be unnerving for those that are here and disillusioning for those that are here. People are going to look around. Their friends, their relatives, no longer interested in the things of God, no longer showing concern for truth, walking away. And the Word of God warns us and says, what does that got to do with us? What's that got to do with you? Don't let your faith be dependent upon the faithfulness of another. And we may even be duped by religious leaders who fall away and have no interest in things of God. And for some, that's going to be very disillusioning. People that they had looked up to, people they admired, people that they had trusted, people that they thought were strong Christians. And it turns out they're not, and they fall away. What does that have to do with us, is what this verse is saying. So we need to be faithful. We need to preserve. We need to keep on. We need to be anticipating the Lord's return, for it is coming. And we shouldn't allow anything to delude us or dissuade us from that belief and that confidence. I'm going to pray in just a moment. I uh, want to give a uh, disclaimer. Uh, I am really feeling miserable tonight. That's probably why I've been stuttering through this and not uh, doing my best. I apologize. Uh, But uh, I'm very sick to my stomach, so I'm just going to... Bolt out of here, okay? So, sorry, I'm not going to be shaking hands and uh, visiting with you, uh, but you're going to be glad I don't, believe me. All right, so uh, let's pray together. Our Father, uh, we thank you for the great confidence that we can have that your word is true. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to read with the anticipation that all that is said and done in the book of Revelation is going to come to pass. Uh, some of it is, is uh, difficult to understand. Uh, others, it, it's hard to imagine. And yet, oh God, we know it's faithful and it's true. So help us to preserve, not adding to, not taking away. Guarding it, but using it. Following its instruction. Knowing what it has to say. Readying ourselves for the future that may very well take place in our lifetime. And perhaps the Lord will tarry and will not take place in our lifetime. But then we need to be able to know it and teach it to others so they would be ready, that they would be prepared. Oh, Lord, help us to understand that the uh, Word of God is given to us not so that we can win at uh, Bible trivia, but, Lord, uh, all of the Bible is relevant. All Scripture is given for the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things, heed these things which are written for the time is at hand. Oh, Lord, thank you for your coming. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.